0: Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with your no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season is better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com forward slash guarantees.
1: A warning, this episode features dramatizations and discussions of extreme violence. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. The story you're about to hear is not a direct telling of any single myth about the Incanamba. Today's episode combines elements from a number of legends and stories about this storm spirit serpent for dramatic effect. Masisi was not having much luck fishing this morning. He'd first cast his line out at dawn from the banks of the Umgeni River, hoping to catch a couple of fat trout for his evening meal. Now it was almost dusk, and all he had to show for the day were two skinny eels lying at the bottom of his pail. He'd traveled up the river in search of the fish, and was now just 20 yards downriver of Howick Falls. Nothing was biting. Resigned, Masizi began to reel in his fishing line. It would be a small dinner tonight. Suddenly, the line went taut. Massizi had hooked something. He could feel that whatever was on the other end of the line was strong. Just as quickly as he reeled the line in, he could feel the fish pulling it back out. His rod bent sharply as he struggled to pull what he imagined was a fat trout toward the surface. The line abruptly went slack once more. Whatever it was, he had lost it. Or had he? As Massisi watched, something dark breached the surface of the river. This was no fish. Instead, a long, scaly body rose from the water, stretching impossibly high above the river's muddy surface. Masizi had hooked an enormous river serpent. It held its long, twisting body nearly 20 feet out of the water, towering above the fishermen. Its head was unlike any snake Masizi had ever seen. It was large and horse-like, with a long nose, two prominent nostrils, and a pair of bulging, golden eyes. As Masizi stared up in shock, he saw dark storm clouds forming above the serpent's head. A bolt of lightning split the sky. The creature opened its maw and roared loud enough to knock Masizi backwards its jaw unhinged, opening wide to reveal wickedly sharp fangs. Before Masizi could move, the serpent struck. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Every week we dive into history's most legendary monsters. In telling the stories of their origins, we hope to shed light on some truths hidden behind the creations of these beasts. Where they come from, what they symbolize, and how they expose some of humanity's greatest fears. You can find episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythical Monsters for free on Spotify, just open the app and type mythical monsters in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Today, we're discussing the Inkanyamba. For years, Zulu people living near Howick Falls in South Africa have reported encounters with this monster a giant, water dwelling serpent with a horse like head. When angered, the Inca calls upon the wind and skies to send storms raging through the province of KwaZulu-Natal. The rainfall these storms bring bolsters the growth of sugarcane and other crops, but they can also cause damage and destruction. If the creatures' storms are allowed to rage unabated, they can flood the entire countryside. Keeping the Inkanyamba's temper in check is therefore a crucial task in Zulu culture, and this task falls to a few brave women. Liana was swimming in the river, the muddy water swirling around her. The silt almost completely blocked the sun's rays. Her body felt long and live. She coiled it in anticipation trying to decide where to hunt for her next meal. Suddenly, she felt a vibration. A small fish floated jerkily near the surface. It was stunned or hurt. Either way, it looked like an easy catch. Liana opened her mouth, her sharp fangs glittering wickedly in the dark water. She snapped them closed over the fish. She hissed in surprise, Her mouth was full of sharp pain and blood. Something in the small fish, some sharp bone, had embedded itself in the roof of Liana's mouth. She shook her head to dislodge the bone, but when she moved her head down, she could feel something pulling back. Something was yanking on the sharp thing in her mouth. Enraged, Liana shot toward the cloudy sunlight. Her head broke the surface of the water, and she reared up above the banks of the river. A man stared back at her, wide-eyed and terrified. Liana opened her jaws, her fangs dripping with venom. This man would pay for disturbing her. A soft rain began to fall on her scaly skin, and thunder rumbled in the sky. Before the man could move, Liana struck, her long fangs digging deep into his flesh. Liana sat bolt upright in her bed. She felt her arms and legs to confirm that she was back in her normal human body. Her sheets were soaked with sweat and her breath came short and ragged. She felt dizzy and laid back against her pillow. Her dream was so strange It felt almost real. She'd been swimming in the pool at the base of Howick Falls, but she'd not been herself. Her body had been something older, powerful, inhuman. But even as she tried to sift through the details, the dream slipped through her grasp, sinking back down into the subconscious of her waking mind. Her throat burned for water, but before she could cry out, the door to the bedroom opened softly. Her mother was standing at the threshold with a strange woman Liana had never seen before. The woman at the bedroom door looked more like an otherworldly spirit than a human. She wore a headdress of long braided strands covered in white beads. She had a cheetah skin cape wrapped around her shoulders, the animal's legs tied around her throat. In her hand, she held a stick with long, dark fibers coming out of one end, a buffalo tail. Liana was sure of it. Her mother said, Liana, are you awake? You have a guest. This is Ulwazi, the Sangoma. She has come to take your sickness away. Liana tried to sit up in her bed, but the movement only triggered a coughing fit. She'd been sick for weeks, and she knew her poor mother was desperate for a cure. Since Western medicine didn't seem to be helping, her mother had brought a Sangoma medicine woman to the house. The Sangoma came to Liana's side and sat on the edge of her bed. She jangled as she walked, the bells around her ankles chiming rhythmically with each step. Up close, Liana could see that the woman had a kind face, with round cheeks and dark, intelligent eyes. The healer put her hand on Liana's forehead, humming to herself as if she were completely alone in the room. She used her buffalo tail like a baton, making a series of complicated gestures in the air above Liana's bed. Uwazi spoke. Child. This is not a physical illness. It is a spiritual one. What you feel is tuasa, the ancestors calling you into service. Your body and mind will not be at peace until you answer their call. You must come with me and train to be a Sangoma. Liana stared at Ulwazi. What she was saying was impossible. Liana had heard of the tuasa. For many, it came as an illness that only another Sangoma could cure, but no one in her family had ever been called to be a healer. Uwazi recognized the confusion on the child's face. When she had been called years before, she too thought it must have been some kind of mistake. Uwazi said, Tell me, Liana, have you been having any strange dreams lately? Liana stared back at her, shocked. Suddenly, her dream from the night before rushed back to her, not just in fragments, but as clear images this time. She was in the water. She drew up a storm. She attacked a man. Before Liana could speak, a heavy knocking came from the front door of the house. Outside, someone was yelling, their voice too far away for Liana to make out the words. From her room, Liana watched her mother cross to the door. Their neighbor, Tabiso, stood outside, a look of panic on her face. Tabiso said, come outside quick. Miss has gone mad. He's running through the village, yelling that he was attacked at Kwanokaza by a giant snake. Tabiso left quickly, rushing on to alert the people in the next house. Liana saw that Ulwazi the Sangoma's face had grown stern. She said, Liana, rise from your bed and put on your shoes. There is work to be done. Your training starts now. When Liana didn't move, Ulwazi pulled the covers roughly to the floor. She said, Up now, girl. There is no time. I will need your help to save the village. Don't you know what this means? The inkanyamba has returned. Coming up, young Liana rises to the challenge.
0: Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with your no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season is better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com forward slash guarantees.
1: Now, back to the story. From the earliest days of humanity, myths have played an important role in understanding the natural world. Parts of reality that were difficult to explain, from the changing of the seasons to death and the rising sun, were attributed to the work of gods and magical creatures. And for early man, almost nothing was as powerful and unpredictable as the weather. As humans transitioned from nomadic hunter-gatherer lifestyles to agrarian civilizations, weather became the central focus of their budding cultures. Too much rain and crops would drown, too little and they would wither on the vine. Rain became the life-giver, and whoever, or whatever, controlled it had incredible power. For KwaZulu-Natal, the power of rain lay at the bottom of Howick Falls, with the turbulent moods of the Inkanyamba that slumbered there. The serpent's close relationship with storms and weather make it a powerful figure in Zulu folklore. According to Zulu Superstition, when the Inkanyamba is angered, it can be soothed by the actions of a Sangoma, these healers, usually female, offer prayers and sacrifices to calm the savage in Kanyamba and stop the deluge. These beliefs are still integral to daily life in many South African communities, which today are supported by an estimated 200,000 Sangomas and spiritual healers. They perform rituals, offer natural remedies, and preserve the myths of traditional African religions. Myths like the tale of the Inca Nyamba. Outside the sky was growing dark. Heavy black rain clouds blotted out the hot South African sun, casting long shadows over the sugarcane fields. A dense mist rose from the river, so thick that Liana felt she could snatch up a piece of it in her hand. She had never seen anything like this before. Down the road, she could see a man running haphazardly toward the center of the village. He was covered in mud, and even from this far away, Liana could spot bright red blood pouring from a gash on his forehead. The man yelled, in Kanyamba! in Kanyamba! I saw it with my own eyes. It attacked me beneath the falls. It was Masisi, the fisherman. Tabiso had spoken the truth when she said he was yelling like a madman about the Inkanyamba. Spotting Ulwazi in her Sangoma costume, Masizi slowed to a stop. He said, Oh, Sangoma Ulwazi, please help me. I was fishing too close to Kwanokaza and angered the Inkanyamba. Now he will send a great storm and ruin the sugarcane crop. Liana glanced nervously at the ominous clouds gathering overhead. Uwazi bent forward, taking Massizi's hands as she spoke. I can help, but we have to act quickly. Now take your fattest goat and come meet my apprentice Liana and I at the base of the falls. Hurry. Everything was happening too fast for Liana to keep up with. Ulwazi dragged her to the village square, where they purchased home-brewed beer and amazi, a delicacy made of curdled milk. Then Ulwazi led Liana to her own small hut at the edge of the village. Inside, she selected a number of bottled liquids and sprigs of dried herbs from a shelf, along with a thin, wickedly curved knife. Liana hoped that they would stay here a moment, or that Uwazi would at least explain what she was doing. But she was soon disappointed. They left the hut a moment later, Liana struggling to keep up with the Sangoma as she strode assuredly in the direction of the falls. It began to rain in earnest now. The heavy mist still clung to the ground, swirling around their feet with each step. The falls too seemed to have changed with the weather, the river seemed to flow faster, the water cascading down with a new ferocity. As they approached the base of the falls, Liana could see that a small crowd had gathered near the river. The villagers, she noted, were careful to stay far back from the banks of the pool, out of striking range. Massizi appeared, pulling a reluctant goat toward Liana and Ulwazi. He offered Liana the animal's lead and said, for you, Sangomas, the goat you asked for. Ulwazi <laughs> bowed her head and thanked the fishermen. They led the goat to a spot some 20 feet from the water where there was a neat pile of freshly cut sugarcane and dried gourds filled with amazi and beer. Liana glanced uneasily at the water swirling below the waterfall. The pool was opaque and muddy, and she couldn't see what lay beneath its surface. For an instant, Liana was under the surface of the water again, moving through the silt and mud as she had in her dream. But just as quickly, she found herself back on the solid banks of the river. Ulwazi said, Liana, child, this will be your first trial. If you help me to calm the Inkanyamba that rages beneath the falls, then you will be one step closer to becoming a true Sangoma. Now take one of the gourds and pour the beer into the Incanyamba's pool." Liana complied, holding the gourd out in front of her with shaky hands. She stepped as close to the pool's edge as she dared. Then she overturned the vessel watching the amber lager trickle down into the muddy water. A pair of large yellow eyes appeared where the beer touched the surface. They blinked, then fixed on the girl standing on the bank. Liana scrambled back toward Ulwazi and the goat. The eyes began to rise out of the water, and soon Liana was face to face with the terrifying the creature looked down its long, horse-like nose at Liana, locking eyes with her as its forked tongue flicked in and out of its mouth. It rose impossibly high from the water, its long, serpentine body twisting and writhing as it ascended. Soon, the inkanyamba towered a full 20 feet above the water's surface, Its head bobbed lazily back and forth, almost drunkenly, tasting the air with its tongue. It emanated a low, sinister hiss that sent shivers down Liana's spine. The Inkanyamba's hypnotic gaze was broken by Ulwazi, who had begun tossing the gourds full of Amazi into the pool at the base of the falls. She chanted in Zulu, In Kanyamba, spirit of storm and strife, we bring this offering to you. Beer for your health and Amazi for your disposition. Uwazi drew her long, curved knife from her belt, then pulled the goat forward, closer to the river. In one fluid motion, she drew the knife across the goat's throat, bright red blood poured from the gash, soaking the ground beneath the dying goat's feet. Uwazi dragged the creature to the edge of the pool so its blood could drip into the water. As the goat died, Uwazi said, and blood to sate your anger. Take this sacrifice in Kanyamba and go in peace. For a moment, the sky began to clear. The Inkanyamba stared down at the dead goat and the Sangoma with her bloody hands. The rain softened, the fat droplets from moments before thinning into a drizzle. Then, the Inkanyamba hissed with displeasure. It opened its mouth wide, revealing its gigantic, venomous fangs. Ulwazi dove out of the way, narrowly avoiding being crushed in the serpent's jaws. On hands and knees, the Sangoma scrambled back to where Liana stood. She looked up at Liana, and the girl could see pure, undisguised terror marring the older woman's face. Liana asked her, what do we do now? Ulwazi, unable to speak, just shook her head slowly. Though she didn't say it out loud, her answer was clear I don't know. Next, Liana must save the village from the wrath of the Inkanyamba. Now, back to the story. Liana and the shell-shocked Ulwazi retreated back to a copse of trees. They'd made their sacrifice to the Inkanyamba, but the serpent's rage had not been calmed. The storm was getting worse. They joined the rest of the villagers who stood huddled against the rising wind. The people crowded around Ulwazi, offering her water to drink. The old woman ignored them, mumbling to herself over and over, I don't understand. It should have worked. It should have worked. Behind them, the inkanyamba thrashed about in the pool below the falls. It attacked the ground where the dead goat lay again and again. Each time the beast struck, a lightning bolt ripped through the sky, striking the ground next to the creature's head. Liana quaked in fear as she watched the Inkanyamba. If the storm didn't subside soon, the crops and the entire village would be in danger. Guilt flooded her as she thought once more of her dream. Somehow she was certain this was all her fault. Meanwhile, Ulwazi was pushing through the crowd. Her eyes were fixed on the fisherman who had first seen the incanyamba. She grabbed his arm, insisting, Masisi, tell me again what happened? Why did the creature attack you? But before Masizi could answer, Liana shouted for him to stop. Speaking so that everyone could hear, she said, Ulwazi, I have not been entirely truthful. You asked me about my dreams before, whether I had any strange ones. There is something I have not told you. This morning I dreamed I was swimming in the river. I came upon a small boat and tried to eat a fishing lure floating in the water. When the fisherman hooked me, I rose up and attacked him. Uwazi, Masizi, I dreamed I was the Inkanyamba. The creature did not attack Masizi, I did, using the Inkanyamba's body. The creature is angry because I was angry. I am sorry." Liana wiped her face and was surprised to see her arm come back wet with tears. She was certain that the village would exile her for the pain she had caused, but it was no more than she deserved. Then a hand caressed her cheek, and Liana looked up into the kind eyes of Ulwazi the Sangoma wiped the remaining tears from her cheeks and said, Why are you crying, child? This is good news. You did not really think it was you who controlled the Inkanyamba, did you? The Inkanyamba is a spirit, ancient and powerful. Your dream only means that you have a connection with the creature. Perhaps with your help, we can find a way to appease him." Uwazi unsheathed her knife once more and gestured for Liana to hold out her arm. Liana winced as the older Sangoma made three shallow cuts on her upraised forearm, careful to only slice deep enough to draw blood. Uwazi reached into a pouch tied to her belt and produced a small bottle filled with a yellow powder one of the same ones Liana had seen her take from her stores in the hut. Offering a prayer, Ulwazi shook the powder onto Liana's proffered arm and pressed it into the cuts. The herb stung horribly, and it was all Liana could do to keep her arm steady. Ulwazi reached again into the pouch, this time bringing out a bag of green powder. She shook some onto the back of Liana's hand and held it up to the girl's nose, forcing her to inhale. The effect was instantaneous. Liana felt alert and awake, more than she had in months. Whatever herb Uwazi had forced her to take had given her a new clarity. She knew what she must do. Liana turned and walked toward the pool, where the Inkanyamba was still coiling and uncoiling, churning the water into a frenzy. She paused where the dead goat lay, just long enough to coat her hands with its blood. Liana stood on the edge of the pool, just feet from the angry serpent. She held her hands out over the water, offering it to the Inkanyamba. Hissing savagely, the Inkanyamba slowly inched its head toward the girl. It struck the air above her head, its jaws snapping. Liana stood firm, rivulets of blood trickling down her arms and staining her shirt. The Inkanyamba brought its long nose level with Liana's, its golden eyes locked on hers. It flicked its tongue out of its mouth once again, tasting the air just centimeters above her bloody hands. For just a moment, Liana was back inside the Incanamba's skin once again. She stared at herself with the serpent's eyes, her instinct to attack, tempered by her curiosity. The Enconyamba was intrigued by this resolute young girl, who refused to flee before it. Liana noticed that the corner of her, or rather, the Inkanyamba's mouth, was in pain. She and the creature bared their teeth as one, and she felt a sharp jab in the meat of her cheek. Just as quickly as she had been transported outside of herself, Liana was once more standing nose to nose with the Encanyamba. She could see something glinting in the low light, a metallic object caught at the edge of the great serpent's maw. Finally, she put it together. It was Masisi's fish hook, still stuck in the mighty spirit's mouth. This was why it had called the gathering storm, this was why it attacked Ulwazi. It didn't want a sacrifice. It only wanted the pain to stop. Slowly, Liana reached toward the Inkanyamba’s mouth. The creature recoiled slightly, opening its mouth wide in preparation to strike. Liana could hear the villagers behind her gasp with terror. Putting their fear and her own to the back of her mind, she laid her hand gingerly on the Inkanyamba's broad nose. The creature held incredibly still as Liana reached for the dirty, steel hook that had pierced its cheek. She wiggled the hook back and forth, working it free from the Inkanyamba's jaws. With one final tug, She pulled it clear of the spirit's mouth. Liana fell to the ground, the hook clutched like a trophy in her upheld hand. The Incanyamba reared up, spitting and hissing in pain. Taking one last look at Liana, the creature slipped back into the depths of the muddy pool. A pair of brown arms encircled Liana, and she felt herself being dragged backward, well clear of the pool and the monster within. Uwazi looked down into her face, the long, braided strands of her headdress brushing Liana's forehead like a gentle kiss. Uwazi said, "'Liana, are you all right?' Still in shock, Liana couldn't do much more than nod. A new pair of hands hooked her under her armpits, and she felt herself being lifted. Mesezi the fisherman, hoisted her up onto his sturdy shoulders. The villagers gathered around, talking excitedly as they grabbed Liana's hands and kissed her cheeks. The rain that the Inkanyamba sent down had now all but stopped. The mist retreated back toward the river, and on the edge of the horizon, Liana could just see a weak ray of light punching through the dissipating clouds. The storm was over. Masizi cried, thank the spirits for Liana the mighty Sangoma. She has banished the Enkanyamba back to its slumber and saved the village. Uwazi gestured for silence, waving her buffalo tail baton above the crowd. She said, Yes, child, you have saved the village, but you still have a long way to go before you can call yourself a Sangoma. With proper guidance, you can use your power to become the most powerful Sangoma the village has ever produced. Go home now and sleep. You will need your rest. For your real training starts tomorrow." Liana nodded and smiled. She didn't know what challenges awaited her, but she knew she had found her calling. And she would not be alone. Deep in the recesses of her mind, she could still feel the mighty spirit of the Encanyamba. For most of human civilization, rain has meant the difference between life and death. But just as rain can nourish, it can also easily destroy. Before modern irrigation technologies, it often felt like a bountiful harvest depended on the whims of the gods. Prayers offered up to Zeus, Thor, Indra, and the Native American Thunderbird were humanity's only method of control when it came to unpredictable and untamable weather. It's notable that the Zulu people depicted the forces of weather not as a god, but as a terrifying, monstrous spirit. Their relationship with the Inkanyamba is one of fear and respect, in which specific steps had to be taken to maintain a peaceful equilibrium. People could offer sacrifices in a tangible place, like the pool at the base of Howick Falls, and hope their gift would appease it. If there was no rain, or storms that devastated the crops, the Inkanyamba's wrath was a convenient scapegoat. While it's easy to dismiss stories of creatures like the Inkanyamba as folk tales, thousands of people still believe in this creature today. And believer or skeptic, when the clouds gather and the pool below Howick Falls starts to roil, it might be a good idea to ask for the local Sangoma, for she alone knows how to calm the storm. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythical Monsters, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythical Monsters on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythical Monsters in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Molly Quinlan, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. I'm Vanessa Richardson.